0: Welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. I'm so excited about this one. When I found out we were talking to Derek Lowe, it brought so many memories. The American Century Championship is a celebrity golf tournament. Luckily, the great John Cirillo, great PR guy, uh, he opened up the floodgates uh, for some guests to promote this golf tournament. The golf tournament takes place uh, July 12th to the 16th in uh, Edgewood, Tahoe, South. And they sent me over a list. They said, you know, you can talk to some of these guys. You know, not everybody, but, you know, we'll try to get some of these guys. Derek Lowe was on the list. And I just remember meeting Derek Lowe in 2002. I was broadcasting. This is before Staying Hot with Seth and Bone was happening. Uh, It was before Daryl Hamilton was part of my world. Uh, I was with Brian McRae. And we used to go up to Boston to cover Red Sox games. You know, I always thought he was a good guy. My conversations with him were never long. So the idea of this being a full podcast is going to be surprising. Let's see how this goes. Derek Lowe was drafted by the Seattle Mariners. He was part of what was considered one of the most lopsided trades in baseball history. He, along with Jason Veritek, were dealt to the Red Sox for Heathcliff Slocum. And that was in 1997. I got to Seattle in 1998, and I had heard about this trade. That was the irony of getting to go then to MLB and meet Derek Lowe. And I had a better relationship with Lowe than I did with Jason Veritek. Jason Veritek was nice, but we never had really a lot of conversations. He was a closer, then it was a starter, then he was a closer, then he was a starter. Eventually, he went out to the Dodgers, pitched for the Braves, the uh, Cleveland. He was a Yankee for about 10 minutes finished his career with Texas and now lives in Florida. So this is a treat, Derek Lowe. It's good to connect with you again. Thanks for doing the the show and uh, congrats on your now former baseball career. You're living the high life. This is you seem so much happier now. Why is it? you're not stressed anymore? Why is Yeah, that?
1: right. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I've been uh I've been in Fort Myers, Florida since 97 when I got traded. Um so yeah, just trying to Enjoy the retirement life. It's crazy. It's my, I want to say my 11th year outside uh, of baseball. It goes fast, but um, enjoyed every second of it. But um, now we're just playing some golf and doing some traveling.
0: That's great. And uh, it's amazing to think about. First of all, it just makes me feel a hundred. (laughs) Right. Right. This whole podcast is going to make me feel old. You know, you referenced when you got traded. That, that is considered the most lopsided trade in <laughs> baseball history. Yourself and Jason Veritek go to Boston for Heathcliff Slocum. I wound up going to Seattle in 98. So, right after you left, you left in 97. Yeah. Right after you left. And for the four years that I left, uh, was there, that was all they talked about. <laughs> We had Jeff yeah. Smolian on the podcast about a couple of months ago, and that's all they talked about. That <laughs> was one of the biggest headlines, and you were a big yeah. part of it. And and just the idea of the career that Veritec had and the career that you had really exacerbates the fact that it's not the knock on Heath Slocum; it's that you could have done that in Seattle.
1: Yeah, we um, you know, we heard some rumblings. Uh, in '97, about you know, getting traded. Obviously, Jason was the headliner, I was kind of the throw in, and uh, but I say those trades happen okay, every it, single You were year.
0: a throw well, in, a throw-in. I mean, it, trust you, me, you were, I mean,
1: they trust me, you were
0: part I, of a package, but okay, yeah, I, I, was
1: part of, I was part of a package. Um, <laughs> and uh, and boy, did it work out, but it, but the funny story is, is um, uh, we were, I forget where we were, but uh, Dan DeKet was a general manager, so Jason gets on right. the phone, talks to him, and I I on his cousin, the phone. yeah, and uh. <laughs> so I asked Jason this so I said what does he think and he goes well he thinks I'm an overweight catcher that can't hit and I said well Dan Dequette thinks I'm left-handed so <laughs> it's so funny like so just to go and you know it's not Dan's responsibility to know you know these two minor league kids but uh like I said boy did it work out it was a great situation because at the time the Red Sox weren't very good and so we were able to get an opportunity to play and, and learn at the major league level but Um, You know, I think the trade had a lot to do with Lou Pinella. I don't think he was a huge fan of young players back in the day. And so we were just a benefit benefit to get to go to Boston and enjoy a good, good career there.
0: Uh, Lou Pinella definitely did not like young players. Uh, No, (laughs) that was a polite
1: way of saying that was a polite way of saying it.
0: Yeah, there's no secret about that. And I remember when I was there, he was our manager uh, and they had traded Randy Johnson. Yeah, and they got uh, John Halama, who became a good buddy of mine. Oh yeah, him. and John used to say the same thing. He just said he hated young players. He, he hated really young, did, especially young pitchers who didn't throw a hundred. Lou, Lou would have been perfect yeah. now because everybody throws a hundred.
1: It's unbelievable. I don't understand it. I haven't really done any a any deep dive into the study of why everyone's throwing hundred miles an hour, but um, it's actually unsustainable. You look at how many injuries there are. Like your 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 arm is not meant to be throwing that hard. You know, I I find I make. You know jokes that you know I think I was like you know eighty eight to ninety two was my little sweet spot and and um you know never got injured, but it's uh it's a crazy game, you know again it's velocity velocity velocity, and uh it's you know the way the game's going, but I don't know how sustainable it can be
0: you know it's it i I do want to get your thoughts on today's game, but the complaint about my podcasts in the last three years has been every time we talk to a baseball person, it turns out we spend half the show ripping baseball. So I don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, I have to discipline myself uh, to to do it. Um, But let's talk about Boston. And, you know, we had uh, Joe Castiglione uh, just a a little while ago uh, on the podcast and we were going through the memories and, you know 2004 is is this magical year you pitched the you won the clinching game all three rounds and it's this magical year but I want to ask you about 03. Oh
1: because yeah. Because
0: I just want to know from a from a fan standpoint the the 03 season was there something different about that year? because from a fan, and, I, and I'm not a lifelong Red Sox fan, but I've heard from Red Sox fans, mm-hmm. it's, oh, my God, again. You know, Aaron oh Boone does what Bucky Dent did in 78, mm-hmm. and it's, 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 it's another Red Sox disaster. And, you know, for people listening that are of a younger generation, there's no such thing as a long-suffering Red Sox fan now, but there used to be. Oh, and yeah. I just wonder what that 03 season meant to you going into 04 – to make it that much sweeter.
1: Yeah, obviously, you know, the, the ending was devastating for us. Um, you know, well, there we are in Yankee Stadium. We got Pedro Martinez up five to two in the eighth inning, I believe it was. Uh, Grady Little. Grady yeah, Little was yeah your it was um, Yeah. So people that don't know, like Pedro Martinez always controlled his own game. Like he, came out when he wanted to and stayed in when he wanted to. And that was the first time all year that Grady went over there and asked him if he wanted to stay in. And we were like, Oh God, please, you know, because once Pedro goes to the sky, he's mentally done. Long story short, we obviously know what happens. Um, but without 'oh three, I mean, the, the magical ride of 'oh four, it, it's, it's not the same. And, you know, obviously like you mentioned there are so many diehard Red Sox fans and it was the here we go agains. And, you know, so the, you know, the Red Sox went out and got Keith Falk and Curt Schilling to add to our 04 team and um you know we were kind of treading water for half the year not doing do great things and they traded no more, and that kind of kick kicked the started uh our, our team in 04 and then obviously the magical ride of being down 3-0 i mean no one's ever come back and um just a great uh, a great mentality of just you know the kevin millars of the world saying this like let us win one game i know it's cliche and boring but you know, we did know we had, uh, you know, Schilling and Pedro in game five and six. And, but it was just so magical. I mean, a lot of people don't even remember at all much about the World Series. Likewise, it's all, it was all the ALCS. And um, that's, you know, the people, that's all I talk about in Boston. I mean, it's obviously Still. they've gone on, they've gone on since one, two, but, you know, that O four 4 team was very magical and, and changed the city for a little bit.
0: How did it change your life?
1: Well, I mean, you know, I think, it's changed my life. you've won, post- you've won
0: elsewhere, and you've done other things with other teams. But yeah, I, I, that yeah, one it's was actually different.
1: changed post career. You know, you get invited to go to things. Uh, you know, you, you go up, uh, go to Boston, do do some signings. When you still go up there, you know, you'll get a free meal here and there.
0: Yeah, I
1: think so. any you ask any athlete in in if you could do one thing over again, you know, you kind of try to enjoy a little bit more, a little bit more. You know, time goes so fast. You're in the moment. Um, I was a free agent. In, in 05, so I was, you know, kind of moving on mentally to figure out where I was going to go. But, um, yeah, it was just, again, great memories, and and, uh, and just, you know, the biggest thing is, is knowing after the 04 uh, team, knowing that you can do it, you know, as a pitcher, you know, you've been in tough situations, and um, there really wasn't anything tougher than game seven, uh, you know, in, in Yankee Stadium. So, just the great memories, great times, and, um, you know, very grateful for the opportunity to play for the Red Sox.
0: More of Sports with Friends in just a moment. You know, I love hosting this show, and obviously I want as many people as possible to hear every episode. I put a lot of effort into them. The reality, though, is that podcast discovery, whether you're a podcaster or a podcast listener, is hard. That's why I've partnered with the folks at Marble. M-A-R-B-Y-L. Not like marbles in your mouth like it sounds when I'm doing my podcast. Marbles AI identifies the five most interesting moments in a podcast episode and instantly transforms them into searchable, shareable clips called marbles. We've done close to 400 episodes of this show, and sometimes you want to hear about themes that we've done. You can search for hockey podcasts that we've done, football podcasts that we've done. If you want to hear about the paralysis situation with Eric Legrand. Or the release of Brittany Griner. We've done four separate podcasts on Brittany Griner's arrest. All the amazing coverage we did of sports and COVID. You can easily make a marble out of this. It's easy to create and share marbles from anywhere inside my episodes on the Marble app. And as a listener of Sports with Friends on Marble, I think it's cool that anyone can go in and be the first to claim something that's said on the show as their own personally created marble. You can share it on Instagram, TikTok, social media, and if you're old like me, you can even put it on Facebook. You can be the first to marbleize a moment on the show, and it helps me get discovered. If you're a podcaster, join me in marbleizing your show. Just head to marble.com. That's dot com to get started. And if you're a listener that doesn't have a podcast, It's a great and free way to directly support Sports with Friends to get the app. Simply create and share one marble from something set on this show that you enjoyed, not something you hated. When you subscribe to my show on Marble, you'll get access to all the latest marbles as they roll out. Marble is a free app for both iOS and Android users, so head to marble.com. That's M-A-R-B-Y-L.com. Or search Marble in the app or Google Play stores and change the way you listen to podcasts. Take me through the the decisions and how it was reached to put you in the bullpen. But there's this story that I remember, again, I was working for MLB at the time, so I was covering 30 teams, Mm -hmm. but that you went to Joe Kerrigan and said, I want to go back to being a starter.
1: I did. That's a fact. Yeah. Early in my career in 1998, I started off the year 0-8 and and I got sent to the bullpen and I thought I was going to get released and sent down. So I was very grateful that I was just sent to the bullpen and and it was great for me. It was a learning lesson to kind of learn. I was in the long relief role um, for a couple of years and then worked my way up as a setup guy and then eventually being a closer. And then, uh, yeah, it was uh, 2001 it was halfway during the year and Joe carrying just became the manager and I went to him at the end of the year and said, is there any possible way that I could, you know, get an opportunity to to get a chance to start no too. And he said, without a doubt, yes. And so, um, you know, it was, was, he could have easily said no and I could have been buried in the bullpen the rest of my career, but he said yes. And, uh, so that was one of those turning moments, but, um, yeah, it's just for me. It was I would much rather have been a starter. Um,
0: but is that a ch- but is that a motivating thing? Like he said, yes, but you obviously have to prove it.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I obviously he by him giving me the nod at the end of uh, September, knowing all off-season you were going to work your tail off to get in, you know, the best shape you could be in. Blah blah blah, and I have to go earn it in spring training. And I had a really good spring and was able to, uh, you know, I think I was the fourth starter or whatever it was, and and started off really good in the month of April. And then it just kind of snowballed into a, a career as a starter.
0: I want to bounce around. I don't want to do like every team, every, every year. Like <laughs> This is not a roast. This is not a, this is your life. Yeah. Um. What was the first conversation you had with Joe Torrey when he's the manager of the Dodgers <laughs> and the whole experience of, you know, you had been a Red Sox and, you know, you, you, you know, he 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 had been a Yankee. You you now you're, yeah. you're meeting in Los Angeles. Just the whole connection. What's that? Yeah. What's that like?
1: Yeah, it was a uh, there was a, a a curse word followed by you. Those were the first when I first met him. <laughs> um, but it was such a great. Uh, it was funny you said it. it was. I was kind of didn't know how it was going to go. Obviously, he's a great, well-respected manager. and oh, he wasn't uh, going to be really a dick to you. Them. Yeah. I'd really seen him in a long time, but what a great manager. I mean, just to you know, kind of see behind the scenes, what he's like, how he treats guys. I mean, you can see why people love playing for him, but mm-hmm. uh, it was just a, a great experience to, to, to see him and then see him as a great manager.
0: After you signed with LA, you went back to get your ring. Yep. And you put the Red Sox uniform on.
1: Not did good. Anybody,
0: did anybody <laughs> fight you on that?
1: No, no one did. I was very lucky. We had uh we had a an off day when I was with the Dodgers, and so flew Thursday, got the ring, didn't even think much of it. You know, the other other option is they fly it. You know, they bring the ring, they'll fly it to LA, and some yeah. guy will give it and to they'll you. Do in the some
0: ceremony lot. before the uh, Dodger game?
1: Not even they wouldn't even they just give it to you in the parking oh. lot type of thing. And so I didn't even think there'd be much blowback, but boy, was there! I mean, yeah. I got back to LA, and it was just like. What are you doing? How dare you? You traitor, you know, you, you blah, blah, blah. And I mean, it didn't last very long, but it was interesting. It took, a, you know, a good couple of weeks to kind of say, Hey boys, and try to explain myself of why I went to get it. You know, it was not a slight with the Dodgers. It was, it was just, you know, I, I didn't want to look back at that opportunity and say, Hey, I didn't do it because, you know, I wanted to go and, and get it. And, and basically, you know, you're celebrating the team before and we've all moved on. So that's, that was the story.
0: The um this could kind of segue into today's uh game, but the no-hitter. Yeah. Um, do you sit by yourself in the dugout? Does nobody talk to you? Or are you no. the kind of guy who everybody talks to you? Are you very superstitious about that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, I mean it's the it's the dumbest thing. Whoever made up this whole don't talk to the the starter. <laughs> I mean, I am trying to talk to people. It was so uncomfortable because you're just sitting there. Everyone's walking by you. No one's making eye contact. <laughs> as if, like, a conversation in the eighth inning is going to somehow derail what's going on. But, uh,
0: but do you yeah, buy it into just, it? like, you, or, or are you like, oh, why is Oh, people buy into like, it.
1: Totally. And, I, you yeah, know, you're yeah. trying to talk to people. You're trying to find eye contact conversation. And it just... It didn't work. I mean, you sat there, and the worst thing was the ninth inning took. We end up scoring I don't know, three or four runs. It took like fifteen minutes, and so you're just dragging on, dragging on. Uh, yeah, very special day. I think no hitters are, are so much, so much luck. I mean, there was many mistakes I made in the game, and they would either pop it up or foul ball or ground ball. And um, but it was a special day, special moment. Um, you know, first one in Fenway in a long time, and to celebrate with the team was great.
0: One of the things I've noticed uh in in doing research for the podcast, you played for iconic managers. I
1: was I mean, gonna say, yeah.
0: Harry Francona, Joe Torre, Bobby Cox. Yeah. I, I I'm 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 skipping some. And it's funny because one of the things I've noticed in the in the later years of, of baseball is now managers are uh conduits because yep. everything is coming from the front office mm-hmm. that managers really are just uh, good communicators. Um, it's not to disrespect Alex Cora or Craig council or um, uh, uh, Dave Roberts out in LA. But, mm-hmm. but you know, anytime this, this is something that I've, no, I, I've become aware of. Anytime somebody complains about the manager, they are definitely over 40 years old. Yeah. Because they're thinking of baseball in terms of the way it used to be. Now, mm-hmm you wouldn't bitch about the manager because the manager didn't make the decision. The decision Correct. was scripted out in the beginning. Hmm. If this matchup happens, then you go to X. And if, if, if this guy's thrown X amount of pitches, then you go to Y and everything is all mapped out. And these managers are literally just they're, they're I used to say, I don't know if you're a star Trek guy. I used to say the manager was captain Kirk. Now yeah. he's like Mr. Sulu. He's just doing what everybody's telling him exactly. to do. Why would they fire a manager? He's doing everything they're asking him.
1: 100%. And then people that don't understand, I mean, you you hit the nail. I mean, that is exactly right. I mean, even go back as far as 20 years ago, I remember when Grady Little was there, even back then, it, that was just starting to get, you know, the analytics with Theo and a couple of other guys that ended up being GMs. And it's amazing. I mean, you, you go to these spring training games and, you know, I, I, here in spring training or in Fort Myers, I'd go to the Red Sox, and it's analytical 101. These managers, like you said, you just have to learn how to communicate. That's what you do, and, and you feel bad. I mean, everything is told, you know, from the upstairs. And like you said, it's funny, the only guys that complain are people like me that are over, over 40 or 50, because nowadays it's just, it's you know, like you said, you got to communicate. Maybe an ex-ball ex, ex player helps, um, but, you, you know, you look around the game, I mean, how many managers are under 40 that Aaron Boones, Gabe Kapler, like you said, council. I mean, there's just hordes of them. They're all I don't the know same. If it's, yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily a good thing. I mean, like you mentioned earlier, I mean, there's something he's said about the Bobby Coxes and the Tories, you know, using your eyes, let your eyes tell you what's going don't on. Don't look, huh? you know, you watch baseball now. It's like, but anytime a starting pitcher gets around a hundred pitches, well, you got to take him out. Why? Cause analytics tell you so. And so, you know, I miss the old days, you know, again, using your eyes, let your eyes, you know, he'll, if you just use your eyes, it will tell you if the guy needs to come out of the game. You don't need somebody from upstairs or how many pitches you've thrown, but you know, I'm not a complainer. This is the game we're in. This is the era we're in and away we go.
0: A couple of years ago, uh, Rocco Baldelli, who just for the record, I still think is a prospect. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. <laughs> Three years, it was super prospect Rocco Baldelli. Now he's a goddamn manager. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I told you this podcast was going to make me feel old. Yeah. Um uh Rocco Baldelli won manager of the year and uh Gabe Kapler was fired by the Phillies. Thinking and I said it. you could literally just take each guy and switch them. Yeah, yeah. Flip, and flip. it would be the same Gabe Kapler would have won manager of the year and and Rocco Baldelli would have been fired because everything was by design.
1: Yes. And again, I don't know if it's good. I don't I don't I don't necessarily you know, believe that, and it's not a knock on someone that's never played baseball. You know, it's, it's it's a guy that can crunch numbers. It's a guy that, again, I I think it's, it can be a part of the process. No doubt. I I think there's a, there's a place for it, but it can't, it is, but you can't, it can't dominate the conversation of just like a manager has no say, You, you know, a bench coach has no say. It's all coming from upstairs, but um, like you said, you know, it's, this is, this is where we are. And it's, it's like you said, you can do musical chairs and it really doesn't matter who the manager is. It's just, you know, basically how good your scouting staff and your, in your development and your analytical guys.
0: Uh, one last one on your, on uh, your career, and then we'll we'll get into golf and, and, and everything else. Um, you're released by Cleveland uh, during the 2012 season and yep. you can go, I don't know how many options you had at that time. One. Well, okay. So so you have one option. There's one team that will sign you, and it's the Yankees. Now, it's yeah. a different ballpark. They're in a different stadium. How yeah. weird was yeah. it as a guy who played on that 0-4 team? How yeah. weird is it to put on a Yankee uniform? Yeah, and did you def- save a jersey?
1: I did save a jersey, no doubt. Do you have a jersey um, from every team? I have, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's I awesome. Have, that's
1: yeah. awesome. You know, in New York, they don't want you to take them. It's pretty hard. Actually, you know what? It's funny. I don't think I did take one from New York. They don't allow you to. Or at least people like me that was only there six weeks. Um,
0: you have to yeah, play a think, certain amount of weeks?
1: But I was I only there six weeks. But I'm, I'm, Yeah, I don't think I got one. I don't think they let me. be honest yeah. with you, it's funny you say that. Um, but, yeah, I just got released by Cleveland. I'd been home for probably three weeks. You know, really not getting a lot of traction as far as teams go uh it Scott boris as an agent at the time or just mm-hmm. you know still do whatever and he said I, you know we got one opportunity you know you want to go to new york and you know at that time i mean you're you'll play anywhere and so off i went you know i was there six weeks really didn't contribute for a hill of beans but yeah it was definitely interesting definitely weird you know to walk in the clubhouse and but i mean there are a lot of the guys i think jeter was one of the only holdovers you know from the back in the old, back in the old four team but it was kind of neat to kind of see how it was run and, and and to play in the city but I was a long reliever again. I, I didn't really bring a lot to the table, but, um, you know, I was happy I was able to do it. Um, we actually went back to Boston in late September and I didn't pitch. Thank, weird. thank God I didn't pitch. <laughs> I was that praying been like, been so uh, strange. <laughs> it was, it was <laughs> but, you know, you know, time had moved on and uh, so, yeah, it was just an interesting six weeks. I was happy I did it.
0: I just, uh, I, we took our family uh, to Boston for spring break and, you know, I'd been to that park, you know, four dozen times for work but i'd never Mm -hmm. gone just to hang out i've you know i'd never gone i'd always gone but i was working there so we go to games but i'd never gone we took our kids and it was a it was an early game this season and the place looks exactly the same
1: really is the
0: place is literally timeless like if
1: excuse me so yeah we went last year We brought friends of ours from uh, michigan up to a game and it, it's amazing. Like, you can step out there. You feel like, said, 10, you know, besides the Green Monster seats and, and what the have
0: scoreboard's you. scoreboard's new. You're right.
1: scoreboard's new. The clubhouse, you know, I apparently they redid the clubhouse this year, which is nice and needed to happen. But what an experience. I mean, oh, we that visitor in,
0: clubhouse in Boston. Brutal. Oh, that was awful.
1: Oh, people don't understand it. I mean, I heard it's stories. So I never went in it. As a uh, home player, yeah, and then once you come there as a visitor, boy, it stinks, boy. Especially like during a uh, rain delay or something.
0: Oh, oh Yeah,
1: oh, there's God. nowhere to go. Rain delay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, that's pretty bad. That's yeah, it that's, is. that's pretty bad. Um, when uh, did golf become a major part of your life? You're you're not just like a casual golfer. You you're pretty good.
1: Yeah, I try to be. Yeah, I try to be. It was. Uh...
0: Always humble. I want to go back.
1: I want to go back is, you know, even when I was young, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, uh, I would, I would play. Uh, didn't really come from a lot of money. So we weren't country club people. You know, you try to slide maybe play with my dad once a month, you know, some public track along the way, uh, you know, tried to play a little bit during spring training. Um, but yeah, it's always been part of my life. And, and you know, that's the beauty of, of playing as a starting pitcher in the major leagues. You do have a lot of time off and try most it. teams allow you to go on the road
0: right you yeah, know and so you know when you're throwing you know when you're yeah,
1: not yeah exactly and so yeah, you got to be smart about it but it was it was pretty much jim rice um you know myself wakefield and and um uh brett Saberhagen. hagen this is
0: yeah. the first time tim wakefield's name has been mentioned in 400 episodes.
1: <laughs> good old nuxie but uh so yeah it's been a huge part of my life always um then post baseball it's it's even bigger you know it, it's fun to you know, take some vacations and go places. Uh, I just turned 50 here two weeks ago. So we're going to go to Ireland this September to play some golf. Um, so, yeah, it's just, again, it's a it's, um, huge part of my life. I've always loved it, you know, and, and as we'll talk about here in a little bit about these celebrity events that we have, those are always fun. Kind of keeps, you, you know, some of the competitive juices going and see some good old friends. But, yeah, it's, um, I don't know what I'd do without it. I don't hunt or fish. So retirement life would be really boring if I didn't golf.
0: I would imagine. Uh, the American century championship, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, takes place, uh, July 12th to the 16th. Uh, we've had many, many people, uh, on the podcast. Joe Theismann, uh, has been on the podcast from, uh, from this event, uh, every year, uh, and this event, they, uh, we, 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 hook up with people. Larry Fitzgerald was on the podcast from this, uh, this event, um, and it really is a a, a cool time. Uh, who do you get to see, and do you ever oh. get starstruck as somebody who played for as yeah. many years in baseball as you did?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I played with Aaron Rodgers one year. That was always interesting. That's you know, cool, currently, you know, the Patrick Mahomes of the world and Travis Kelsey and you know Justin Timberlake. Patrick I mean, it really is amazing. You know, I mean, it's taken me. This, is, I'm. I think this is my eleventh year playing in it. And it does. It, it took me many a year to uh, to not be shy and go say hi to these guys. You know, it's it's OK. You know, we're that's the beauty of these things is we interact. We have we have gatherings at night where you get to talk. But um, no, it's just a great, great event. You know, 82 got 82 athletes and celebrities and, and entertainers and and. Um, it's just, if anyone's in the area, please go. I mean, the golf course is phenomenal. You get up close and personal with, with, with the players, and American Century does a phenomenal job. And so it's it's our Super Bowl as far as golf goes. We can't wait to get there. It's only, you know, a couple, three weeks away. So look forward to getting back up there and, and trying to compete and, and win one of these things.
0: It's pretty uh, neat, and there's television coverage, and uh, we put all the links in the, in the show notes. And um, like I said, it, it, they've been very good. Uh, Joe Theismann raved about it. Uh, I was really yep. cool to have him on the podcast. It's just a thrill to talk to some of these people. It's just a thrill to talk to you. Uh, hey, thank you. On, on the podcast uh, as well. Um, before we wrap, um, there's uh, they instituted new rules. Yep. And um, it's kind of a loaded question, but I mean, you're used to this podcast <laughs> by now. Um, they, uh, they wanted to speed up the game. Yep. Clearly, that's because the last three or four years, uh, the sport has literally become unwatchable and whether it's the shift or not, I, you know, I kind of attribute it to the shift, um, just this idea that they were teaching, uh, young hitters that launch angle, the angle Mm -hmm. in which the body crosses the, 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 your, the, the bat crosses your body, uh, is more important than the contact made with the ball. Yep. As, as crazy as that sounds, and I'm trying to spell it out for people who may not have heard previous episodes of the podcast, but if you're teaching that, what you'll get is you'll get more balls driven toward the outfield and home runs, but you'll also get a lot more swings and misses. What I've noticed is the game is a lot faster, but there's still a lot of swings and misses. My God. Oh, nice. um. So yep. my question to you, and it's a loaded question. Number one, as a pitcher, how do you feel about the pitch clock? And number two, what would your strikeout totals be? Like, like could you be a pitcher in today's game? That's a really loaded question. I'll, uh, I'll, just, I'll leave, and you can just have the floor. Yeah.
1: Uh, as far as the pitch clock, I was always a guy that worked fast. Don't get me wrong. It would have affected me none. But putting everyone in a one basket and say, "Hey, you got to throw a pitch every 15 seconds." Maybe not be for everybody. Um, so it would it would not affected me at all. Um, you know, it was nice that some of these guys had the off season and spring training to kind of figure it out. Um, but to your point about unwatchable, I mean, it was getting bad. I mean, three hours and thirty minutes for you know two one games with twenty five strikeouts. Oh, sorry about that.
0: But it's not. Um, but it but it wasn't the time. It was the it was the lack of action
1: action like you said it was just like i said 20 22 24 strikeouts the shifts i hated the shift um it would be interesting to see if if my game would play now um as far as being a ground ball pitcher because you said everyone everyone has just got this like you said the long launch angle just trying to swing from down to up which was would have not been great for me but I mean, the ship was huge and, and, but I think it goes back to what you mentioned earlier when we were talking about analytics, like people watch the game and people are like, I can't understand baseball. Why don't they just bunt or just hit the ball to left field? And there's no one over there because the analytic department says it's not worth it. It's not worth just to get a base hit. You know, they want homers, they want doubles. And so, um, and
0: guys want to get paid.
1: Exactly. I mean, you look at, um, I mean, look at, and by no means am I picking on anybody, like a Kyle Schorberg, he's hitting, you know, 190, hit 200 last year, but he's going to hit 40 home runs and drive in. And That's what they want. That's yeah. today's game. You know, I mean the the real like the Freddie Freeman's of the world. I understand he's getting paid, but those type of guys are there's not many of them. The guys that are going to hit, you know, 300, 320. I understand it's not that easy, but you know, guys that hit 180, 190, they don't care. They're okay with it, which is is mind boggling to me. But that's the era we're in. And that's the game and. Um Again, that's what the analytic top department will say they want, and so away they go.
0: Let me be a a, a doomsday sayer just for a second, and just see if, like, where <laughs> on the pendulum you you are. I I'm, I'm yeah. not. I I don't think this sport is over. <laughs> like, no. I don't think it's it, it it's done. I'm 49, right? Yep. When I was 19, mm-hmm. baseball was my little life. Like I couldn't believe i was going i I got a job in the new york Penn league when i was still in college yeah and i was so excited i it was the it was the greatest opportunity Mm -hmm. of my life i don't think there are enough 19 year olds now so that when i'm 79 and the 19 year olds today are 49 they won't have the passion that i had when i was 19 and i wasn't alone Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like my story is not alone like Everyone loved baseball when I was growing mm-hmm. up. And now the that cluster of people, now, there are still baseball fans. Don't get me wrong. But what I worry about is that that next wave of kids that are just not into it.
1: They're not into what it. What
0: happens in your estimation yeah. to this game that you made your livelihood on, that I made my career on? Like, what happens to this yeah.
1: I don't know, man. I, like I said I, I turned 50, so I grew up a Detroit fan. And so I was lived and died Detroit Tiger baseball. You know, went to as many games as I could, watched as many times they're on TV, loved it, loved it, loved it.
0: Were you a damn I mean, Pete Jack Morris guy? Oh,
1: yeah, I was a Chet Lemon guy for some crazy reason. I loved him. <laughs> Had a jersey, uh, Alan Trammell, but that um, you have,
0: but the Yankee jersey you still don't yeah.
1: <laughs> So, yeah, like you said, the game that I love, you know, I, I've been out of the game 11 years. I very rarely do I sit down and watch a baseball game right now. Um, a, because, you know, it was a little bit slow, but to your point about the younger generation, I don't know what you do. And I think that's one of the reasons why they try to speed up. Attendance was terrible. People are watching on TV, but as far as going to the game, people aren't doing it. And, and you know, you look at this this current younger generation, you know, they, they, they like things fast. You know, they got everything's on, everything's on their phone and um, I you know social media. I don't know I don't know what you do. I, I really it's definitely a problem, no doubt about it. If you look at just uh you know the people that are going to the games, it's it's not the the 4 21 22 year olds. Maybe they're may, maybe going for beer night, but it is. You're losing that die-hard passionate fan and I just don't know what you do to get them back. I really don't.
0: I just wonder, you know, if like all the people that asked me about baseball they're all over 40. Oh god yeah. Like it's always, and I just, I just wonder, like I, I wonder, you know, what happens to this game, you know? you have seen, you know, there's so much going on in with with tech and streaming, and you know, all the people that bitch. We had Joe Castiglione on, and we talked about when, you know, Sundays sometimes there's a game on Peacock, and on Fridays there's a game on oh, yeah. Apple TV Plus, and. You, th- you think about the amount of calls that people give to the teams right to- bitching when the game is not on whatever channel the game is usually on yeah because all the people are t- in their 60s and 70s they they're, that's what they are that's what they are and correct it's it's just it's, it's weird and you know i i i don't want to that's why we talked about your career in the very beginning i didn't mm-hmm. want to make this podcast about it but i am so amazed i don't think it's over just like i don't think radio is over i don't think i don't think the old ways are just done Mm -hmm. but i am so interested in seeing what the next 10 20 years are
1: yep yeah and i think it's you're probably going to see the continued decline as far as people going and watching i mean you know i i really think not knowing 100 percent, but i think people are still watching i mean you look at the you know, if you strictly go by what, what these what these companies are paying these teams that for their TV rights is, is Oh revenues are high. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that diehard, like you said, the diehard, the person that wakes up every day. Again, you know, back in the day, you wake up, get the paper. Obviously the papers are that's a that's a <laughs> right non last time he But touched you did yeah, you loved it. Right. It was just I don't know if it was because you couldn't see every game and you didn't have access to it twenty-four-seven. You know, maybe maybe there was something of that mystique of getting to go to a game or couldn't wait to see now there was no ESPN back in the day you know there was no I mean local highlights but um you know again you know time will tell I I think it's just we're just you know it's like you drive by a park back in the day you know you couldn't parks were packed with kids playing sports you drive by a park today not so much so things have definitely changed you know I, I wouldn't say necessary for the better but Um, This is the era we're in, and like I said, you know, we'll uh, MLB will have to do something at some point. I just don't know when.
0: No, it's it's going to be really, really interesting. Um, You mentioned social media. How can people find you? Like, I'm not on
1: social media.
0: You're not on any social media. So, by the way, by the way, outside of Ian Brown, there's nobody's going to share this podcast whatsoever when it's released.
1: i don't yeah i i think i have a uh, chad have finn a,
0: Chad Finn will do it he's a good guy yeah uh, ian brown will do it because he's he's a friend of mine but that's, yeah, it. that's no that one, one it else is going to share this Derek Lowe podcast no absolutely
1: not i think i'm on um i am on a instagram i believe but i don't run it um <laughs> yeah they uh they asked us a couple of years ago during golf events to kind of create a, you know, social media account. And sure. I, I am so anti-social media. I, I mean, gotcha. I understand it's, it's the part of today's society. Don't get me wrong, but I had to open one up, but yeah, I don't run it. <laughs> so I have no idea.
0: What's no, on I'm here. not anti-social media. I'm anti what social media has become. Uh, I agree. Social media, you know, when Daryl passed, social media was wonderful. Yes. You know what I mean? There's a lot of wonderful
1: qualities. Don't get me wrong. Social
0: media has had wonderful moments yes. right now. is not one of them.
1: No, I don't think this is the best shining moment that they have, but, <laughs> and I understand if, you know, depending on the profession you're in, it's, yeah. it's, it's a must. And most people's, it's just, it's gotten a little carried away, but that's definitely for another podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. We, can, we can, we can have a whole another conversation. Oh, you can go on forever. Derek, uh, Honestly, um, you used to always come on radio shows back in the day. Uh, it was always a thrill. It was you were an easy guy to root for back back then. I'm so glad that the American Century Championship have reconnected us. Um, it was an absolute thrill having you on the podcast. Uh, this is this has been uh, a hoot. Um, but I will say, uh, back in the day, uh, we were lucky if we got eight minutes out of you. The fact that I got you for forty some odd minutes, I, I wish I could tell my 2003 self. Dude, we got Derek Lowe, and he stayed for over a half hour.
1: Yeah, that's just my ADD. Now, I, now I can now I can sit and be calm. But uh, no, thank you very much. I love doing these things, and anytime you you know we've known each other for a long, long time, and so anytime you can reconnect and talk a little old school baseball and uh, new school, it's great. And uh, so yeah, thank you yeah, we'll very very much for having me.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely have you back.
1: Thank you. thank
0: you. That is Derek Lowe. The memories are flowing through me. I. Can only imagine if you're listening to this all the way through first of all if you're a Red Sox fan you're welcome and if you remember me from my MLB days oh my god I have to get Brian McCray on one of these days Daryl Hamilton I hope you're listening from somewhere next week we're going back into the baseball archives next week we are going to be speaking to another American Century Championship champion, uh, Mark Mulder, former Oakland A, former St. Louis Cardinal. Mark Mulder right here on Sports with Friends. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Leave us a five-star, please. This is, this is great content. We'll see you next week.
2: If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available.